Welcome back to the Bonkers.ie podcast, the show where we discuss some of the biggest personal finance stories and news items of the past few weeks. This month, we're talking about energy and the crisis that seems to be engulfing the industry. As many of you might know, all of the country's energy suppliers have announced huge increases in their gas and electricity prices over the past few months and more price hikes look to be on the way. On top of this, there has even been talk about blackouts this winter as our electricity network struggles to cope with the demands being placed on it by data centres and a resurgent economy. Meanwhile, there has been a fuel shortage in the UK with footage of mile-long queues at forecourts there. To try and make sense of it all and to see if there's a way to avoid the price hikes and whether we're in for a dark winter, I'm joined by David Kerr, the founder and group CEO of Bonkers David, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dara. So talk us through some of the recent energy price hikes. Yeah, so um, this year, uh, we're in business 11 years. This year is the only time in the last 11 years, the only time in the history of deregulated prices in our energy industry that we've had this level of price increase in a single year. And in fact, this year we've had over 30 price increase announcements by the various energy companies wow, that are out 30. there. And that's unprecedented. Some energy companies have increased their prices four times this year. And it's not just one that has gone up four times. It's a number of them have gone up four times. And that's really unprecedented. Um, So what does that mean for the customer? Well, unfortunately, it means that the price of gas and electricity in Ireland is the highest that it's ever been. And um, it's, it's truly unprecedented. To talk about the scale of how much the prices have gone up, it's around seven or eight hundred euro per year more will be paid for gas and electricity this winter and into next year than the equivalent period last year wow so if you think about seven or eight hundred euro you know some people might say that okay that's it's a 10 or 15 euros a week um but that's also the complete cost of most people's annual car insurance premium so imagine you're paying for a car insurance premium in addition to everything else that you've been paying because that's the funny thing. I mean, when people's car insurance goes up by even sometimes 50 euro, they're militant about trying to find a better deal, and rightly so. But yeah. as you said, this is like almost your car insurance doubling. This is almost like having a 13th mortgage payment. Exactly that. It's a 13th mortgage payment for no additional service. You're not getting anything, getting anything extra. In fact, there's nothing has changed other than you will be suddenly paying a lot more. And that's something that will creep up on us. So we're recording this in the middle of October. The first big winter bill has yet to happen. But by the time this podcast comes out, a lot of people will have gotten their first bill. The clocks will have changed. Mm -hmm. It's dark already at about half past six. Our consumption is dramatically increasing now. And we have still yet to really see the effect of this increase. Absolutely, the bill is in the post. Yeah, because it's kind of been bubbling away, I think, in the background because these price increases started in September. Uh, so not September, in spring. Um, but then we're obviously moving into summer when energy demand is typically at its lowest level. We had quite a good summer this year. It wasn't too cold. Mm. Like you said, I think people are going to be in for a really, really huge shock yeah. when the, the heating goes on yeah. and then they start getting those bills. And it is bill shock because yeah. the thing, you're coasting along happily and suddenly 
you get a bill in the back of your mind to think maybe 150 euro from your electricity bill suddenly it's 250 or 300 maybe you're doing a catch-up bill where it was an estimate and now it's an actual and that's important because as the smart meter program has continued to roll out there's now about 500,000 smart meters rolled out in the country which is about a quarter mm-hmm. um suddenly they're all actual all the time and if there's now a catch-up then that could even be an increase and of course when you're running a catch-up you're paying the unit rate now as opposed to when it was consumed because you're catching up on the reading and that's another little bit of okay. a shock yeah okay well then why are prices increasing the main reason there's three reasons okay. but the main reason is the, the the cost of natural gas on the wholesale markets and why is that important when you talk about electricity mm-hmm. it's it's because you know roughly half on normal times of our electricity generation is made by burning gas in a gas turbine and that's how we create electricity for around about half of our of, of our electricity consumption so if the cost of burning the thing to make the electricity goes up by over 200% by the way then the cost of the electricity that's generated has to go up as well and that's that's what we're seeing so that's the first major reason is the price of wholesale gas has increased by over 200 250% uh, in in recent months um but there are three reasons in total. And the second reason will be um, slightly contra-intuitively, the natural um, uh, renewable way to generate electricity is with uh, wind turbines. And we have these turbines all over the country and they can be an eyesore and everything else, but they really do contribute significantly to our electricity cons- uh, generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, we've had a really not blowy summer. In fact, uh, some stats I read say that it's in July was the least blowy summer since 1961. Yeah, people have been referring to it as a wind drought. A wind drought, yeah. And you might have, you know, you might notice if you have people that want to go sailing for for leisure or whatever, they haven't been out. A lot of races were cancelled because there hasn't been enough wind. Um, You know, in general, it hasn't been very, very windy at all. And normally we'd have, you know, up to 50% of electricity on the grid at certain times of the year from renewable sources, from the turbines. In July, it was 7%. So that's a really small amount of wind to generate, to contribute to electricity. And um, for that reason as well, the, 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 the electricity that we can generate has more been reliant on gas burning, which was extremely expensive. So less wind, expensive gas, that's another reason. Okay. But there is a third. And again, it, it's related to natural gas. And it's 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 a COVID effect on uh, the most efficient uh, gas turbines in the country. So there are two turbines, um, uh, gas burning plants in the country, one at uh, Whitegate in Cork, operated by Borgosh Energy, and one in Hunstown in Dublin, operated by Viridian or Energia. And they're the most efficient ones in the country, but they've both been offline for um, for maintenance purposes. And they couldn't be maintained because of COVID. We couldn't get the people over. I think the one in Whitegate in Cork, Mitsubishi comes over from Japan and they have to service it. They couldn't do that. So they've been offline. And that means that the least, the less efficient ones that could be online, the ones that burn more gas for the same electric, electricity mm. output, they've been burning. And that meant that we've burnt more for the same electricity. Yeah. They also don't mean that there's been less supply. I think both of those gas-fired generators contribute around 15% of our electricity supply at any one time. So when you take that out of the market and then demand is still the same, you then have that mismatch between supply and demand. And just as 
what we see in the property market when there's a mismatch, these yeah. prices go up. But so the, the ones that could fire, an air grid operates a most efficient first principle, which is they will they will uh, request that the most efficient um, generators uh, are contributing to the grid first. Those two are offline, so the least efficient, least efficient, least efficient okay. then contribute. Um, it kind of feels like it's a, it's a perfect storm because it, yeah. <laughs> everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Well, so like excused. we said, gas has spiralled. Yeah. Yeah. We've had less wind, which then means you have to rely on gas, but that's been going up anyway. Yeah. And then partly going up even more because yeah. more people are demanding it. And then you have these two efficient yeah, <laughs> offline. And, offline. and it, there is the little bit of geopolitical as well. So part of the reason for the wholesale gas price going up is there's this new pipeline that's proposed that goes in the sea between Russia and Germany. The German regulators are slow to approve that. Um, so there is a, a hint that Russia is now constricting supply, which is having a knock-on effect. Um, and then, of course, um, in, in Asia, they had a particularly uh, cold winter. They burned a lot, so now they're replenishing the, the, the stocks over mm-hmm. there. So it's a global phenomenon, and we're at the end of the pipeline in Europe. Do you think there should have been forecast better? I mean, we know that we need to increase our level of renewable output. We understand the climate emergency that there is at the moment. It absolutely is. But do you think that maybe we were slightly sold a lie about the efficiency and the security of renewable energy, at least in the short term? Because when you look at countries like Iceland and Norway, they are almost 100% renewable energy and they're mm. really green and clean and working. I just wonder maybe is that transition, um, were we maybe maybe missold how difficult it was going to be perhaps? Maybe we're, I don't know if we were missold how difficult it was going to be. I think one thing that, one thing that we need to recognise is that renewable through wind is only part of a mix of ways that we can contribute renewables. But another thing we need to be aware of is that if it's not blowy, you don't get the electricity into the network and it's consumed immediately. Mm-hmm. So we need to think a little bit more about microgeneration, micro storage. So for example, you can uh, you can see more and more ho- homes right now with uh, um, PV solar panels. So the ones that generate electricity as opposed to the ones that warm your water. Those ones should be coupled with battery packs on the side of your house so you're less reliant on the grid and there's mm-hmm. less of a draw from your home on the grid. And even we saw in this budget, there's a there's a tax credit for people who can contribute back into the grid. So I think where we sold a lie, probably not. Is wind the only answer in terms of renewable? Definitely not. There's it kind of just feel like we put all our eggs though in one basket because yeah. when it's not windy, particularly on land, yeah. um, you, you know, we don't really have any... I suppose, back up. I yeah. mean, I suppose we need to start looking at solar, maybe even hydropower. Well, one thing I'm a big fan of is tidal. Okay. Because the, the tide goes in and out twice a day, every day. You know, there is no reason that it won't unless the moon falls off somewhere. <laughs> so I'm a big, big fan of hydro. And in fact, Ireland has a really low um, um, implementation of, of hydro. Uh, sorry, tidal hydro. Um, whereas places like Scotland and, and Newfoundland have a big tidal installations and we just don't have those and we're perfect uh, for for that kind of an installation so i think that we should look at more elements in the mix for for the for the renewable sources i think wind is great we should do more wind but we should do more um tidal hydro we should definitely do more solar and like people think oh ireland isn't that Mm. sunny solar is no use but that's not true at all and certainly we're not the sahara 
but we're also not in a you know in a closed room. Yeah, I think as well some of the newer solar panels are just so efficient. I was reading a report on the BBC and they were it was a solar um panel in Alaska in the middle of November that was covered in snow and was still actually generating a tiny amount of electricity. So yeah. it just kind of goes to show you that it, you know, it doesn't need to be the land of the rising sun. Yeah. Um the technology is definitely there and I think when people if they want to remember something about renewables Think microgeneration, micro storage. Okay, you can, as an individual home, contribute to the overall global demands on our on our, on our national grid. And if you can think of a way to to retrofit, if you're doing a retrofit, really consider not just the generation but also the micro storage. So uh, at night time, your batteries release to your home's consumption mm-hmm. requirements. You draw less and less on the grid. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we've discussed then why prices are increasing and some of the the hit that people are going to see so we said maybe seven to eight hundred euro a year on average some suppliers have now been a little bit less some though more but you know probably on average what can people do then to beat some of these price increases if they can do anything at all um well people would probably say well we're going to say you should switch right but the reason we're going to say you should switch if you haven't switched in the last 12 months and six out of seven people haven't but if you haven't switched in the last 12 months you're not getting a discount and you can get a discount at no charge with only the commitment of one year of staying with the company. And if you're staying with the company anyway, you may as well get stay with a company that's giving you a discount. Mm-hmm. And discounts can be very significant. So you could offset five, six hundred euro of that increased amount just by switching your electricity and your gas supply. And it's absolutely free to do. It takes only a couple of minutes to do. Really, the only effect you'll have is the company that sends you a bill. And, and that's and that's it. Um, so nobody's going to come and change your your meter. That's ESP Networks meter, uh, or it's Borgash, or it's Gas Networks Ireland's meter. Um, so it's really just a change of supplier. It's the same gas in the pipe. It's the same electricity in the in the wires. That's all it is. I think that can't be overemphasised enough because. I've had so many you know, queries from you know even journalists, but also customers and friends saying, why should I switch? Because everybody's increasing prices. I think people think that there's, there's no value. But like you said, if you switch, you get a discount of maybe 30 to 40%. Yeah. Whereas if you haven't switched, you're maybe on standard rates or maybe get maybe a 5% discount. So mm. what I would be saying to listeners is switch and you will get a discount of 30 to 40%. It, it, it's crazy and not to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the first thing you can do. Uh, is switch your supplier get a discount they're available to you just go and get one um second thing you can do is use less energy and you know there was a time when i was growing up and you know mortgage rates were 18 percent in the 1980s nobody hopefully will remember that other than people that um are retired now and have gone through that pain but imagine an 18 percent mortgage rate that's when you had you know, your mum or your dad going, switch off that light. Do you think, or, you know, close that door, I'm not heating the neighbourhood. All these things, you know, turn off the immersion is embedded in our mm-hmm. psyche from that era. And and, it, and it's real because when you stop consuming, you stop um, getting billed for it. So do the little things, you know, maybe think about um, the people think retrofitting and things like that is a big endeavour. Put some more insulation in the attic. That makes a massive, massive difference and is really simple to do. And it really insulates your home much, much better. Look for the wind, uh, the wind that comes through your front door. Put up a weather strip. That makes a massive, massive difference and it's very, very cheap. Um, But also consume less. Maybe if you haven't got a Nightsaver meter um, or you don't have a Nightsaver tariff and you do have a smart meter. Or if you have a smart meter and you haven't availed of the smartness of it, 
consider that because with smart meters in particular, you have a day rate, a night rate, and a peak rate. And you could then say, okay, I'm going to run my dishwasher at night. I'm going to run my uh, washing machine at night. I'm going to run my tumble dryer at night. Coming into winter, we use tumble dryer more and more because you just can't put Mm -hmm. the clothes out. So do those things at nighttime for a cheaper rate and you will pay less, number one. But also by consuming less, you know, half fill the kettle if you're making a cup of tea. Those things actually Mm -hmm. do make a difference over the course of a full month's consumption. Yeah, I think as well, the SEAI, which is the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, has some really, really good tips. And also on the Bonkers.ie blog, there's some really, really good tips. We have 15 um, simple ways to use less electricity. Um, So switching, using less energy, which, you know, are two very, very simple things, which we can all do. Um, Is there any help then from the government? Anything that people can do Yeah, yeah. So if you're over 70, for example, you will qualify for the free electricity allowance. And that's a payment that is taken off your bill or it's paid to you directly. And then as a means-tested allowance, the winter fuel allowance um, will give you an extra payment. Um, but that is a means-tested one as yes. part of the home benefits package. Yeah, so it was increased to €33 Euro a yeah. week in the recent budget. That's the winter fuel allowance, or just a fuel allowance. And then the free electricity allowance is €35 Euro a month. And that is paid throughout the whole year. And yeah. if anyone listening and they're wondering how to apply um, I'd recommend that you just check on the uh, Department of Social Welfare we- website yeah. s- s- particularly when it comes to the winter fuel allowance those means test payments can be quite convoluted yeah. tr- when trying to decide if you qualify but absolutely you know if you are worried about rising energy prices do check to see what you're entitled to from the government Absolutely. on that then should the government introduce an energy price cap so we're seeing huge increases we've talked about them 70 800 euro Mm. on average with some suppliers Um, a price cap does exist in the UK Mm. energy is a really important product that people need so should the government be pulling a limit to how much people can be people can be charged well I suppose if you think ID you know uh, from from a purely philosophical way you'd say maybe a price cap should be put in place to prevent companies from gouging Uh, but in fact there's no gouging going on here the input cost the gas cost has gone up dramatically. Um, the UK brought in a price cap for a different reason. It was to stimulate the market to actually take advantage of the offers available. And unfortunately, what has been the result of the price cap is companies going out of business. So there are 70-odd, or there were 70-odd yeah. suppliers in the UK. There's now 60-odd yeah. because of the price cap has forced companies to go out of business, forced uh, customers to not have a supplier or to be um, forced onto a new supplier that they didn't select mm. themselves, or um, you know, and in addition to all of that, it's it's created unemployment because all those companies that have gone out of business have have um, created job losses. I think you hit on, on a salient point there. It's not like we're ne- consumers are necessarily being gouged. Mm. They are prices are going up because the price of the material, the raw energy, yeah. has absolutely skyrocketed. And you could ask, is it? morally right for a government to force a business to sell something yeah. at a loss well put it this way um this year was introduced the minimum unit pricing for alcohol to prevent below cost selling by you know the multiples the supermarkets uh, to entice um you know they, they wanted people to be enticed into their shops by the low cost of alcohol and that was outlawed it was banned you can't do it anymore and you can't even collect points on the back of yeah. of of that, so that the the club schemes with your local off license or your retailer 
couldn't count points based on alcohol purchases and you couldn't redeem points against alcohol purchases either. So all of that was to prevent this bad activity of below cost selling. But that's exactly what a price cap would actually require in a very increased market for, for pricing. So if there was a price cap, then some companies would be forced to sell at below cost and that's completely against free yeah, market that's economics. Yeah, that's a fair point actually. So, yeah. so that's the wrong answer. Price cap is the wrong answer. So what is the right answer? Is there anything else that the government can do? Well, people have talked a lot in the last few weeks about this. And one area that people have started to question is, especially in light of the budget and and specific lobby groups that got breaks, one of the breaks that was given at the start of COVID and the start of the hardship in general was a reduced VAT rate for the hospitality industry going to 9% uh, from 13.5%. And yet, every single home in the country consumes electricity 650,000 homes consume gas and we're paying 13.5% VAT on electricity and gas costs. So perhaps maybe a reduction to 9% would be in order and perhaps when you consider in the context of, we talked about Britain, the British VAT rate for energy is 5%, not 13.5%. So for the input cost and the generation cost and the supply cost and the transmission cost and everything else cost on your bill, then there's 13.5% VAT added on as well. So perhaps it's time for government to look at the VAT rate for energy as well. Okay. Yeah, no fair point. There's been a lot of talk around data centres as well and the demand that they're pulling on the network. And some people are saying that data centres are one of the reasons why electricity prices are going up as well. Again, because there's this mismatch between supply and demand. And they're also has been talk about potentially blackouts this mm. winter because the electricity mm. network can't cope. What do you think of that? Do you think there will be blackouts this winter? Well, uh, per- personally, I don't think there will be blackouts. I think people may have picked up in media on a report by Airgrid that says we expect there will be a massive increase in demand in the, in the coming years. We need to plan for that now and we need to put in the infrastructure for that now because if it comes on all of a sudden, which is likely given the rate of planning permission applications and granting for data centers, then we might put our network, our, our, trans, our, our grid under pressure, where at the moment it could not cope with switching on all of a sudden of 20% more data centers mm-hmm. than we currently have, yeah. and also supply our domestic uh, requirements. So do I think there'll be blackouts this year, this winter? No, I don't. Do I think it's wise to really plan ahead for for data centers in the future? Well, yes, because um, you know Airgrid and ESP networks uh, they run our electricity in the country. So Airgrid runs the um, the transmission network, and then ESP networks runs the distribution network. So the wire to your house is ESP networks, and then the big pylon things are Airgrid. Um, they work in, in conjunction with each other and they one hands over to the other as it gets closer and closer to your home. Um, but the backbone of the network still has to have electricity flowing in it at all times and there's very little storage mm-hmm. that goes on. So I think that there should be a, a national program of infrastructure upgrade for the transmission network and also the distribution network, so ESP networks and for uh, AirGrid. And specifically in terms of planning for, for data centres, Technology is at a sufficient level now that we can make them both carbon-free and energy neutral. Um, So we could require, for example, that every single data center planning permission that is granted 
comes with caveats of you must be carbon neutral and and energy neutral also and so they can figure out their own blend locally of um of turbine and mm. of solar panel and of emergency diesel backup generators even um but make the data centers not be a draw on the core network yeah and and that way and and this is how you know the big companies that require data centers know this too well and they do they do plan for it having to provide their own energy for their own data centers um so yeah this is something that certainly should be uh, yeah. should be should be done i but think I, an argument people might make about data centers or one that is made is obviously the environmental impact that it's happening that it's having but I suppose you could argue if the data centre doesn't get built in Ireland it's going to get built somewhere else and maybe it's mm. better that it be built in Ireland where our cool climate means they need to use less energy mm. and where at least they'll be using around 40 to 50% renewable energy rather than them I don't know setting up in India or even Germany where they still rely on a huge amount of coal and, and nuclear yeah yeah so um should we should we accept the data center volume that we're getting? I think we can if we plan for it well, and I think we could be the, you know, there's there are various people in the media saying that Ireland is the dirty data center of Europe, and mm. people are putting their data center rubbish here, and we're just letting them <laughs> into a disgrace. But but actually, it could be an industry, yeah, uh, or more of an industry, and then you know people also say a data center only employs twenty or thirty people, that might be true for the daily operations of it, but the constructions of it. Uh, there's there are companies in Ireland that actually contribute hugely mm. to employment uh, of very specialist technicians to build these things, um, and also local economies benefit greatly as well. So you know the fact that they can be put any, anywhere really um, means that they could definitely contribute to the diversification of our populations, and um, and I think that there's a, a holistic view that should be taken around this whole question on data centres and their locations and should we have them at all. Okay. So, David, is there anything you would say to people who are concerned about rising energy prices and who are maybe struggling to pay their bills this winter? Is there anything you would say to them? Is there anything they can do? Well, the first port of call would be just to check if you are um, qualifying for the, the various supports out there that government gives, so the, the winter fuel allowance and the free electricity allowance. Um, but secondly, if you are, are finding it difficult to pay your bills, do not let them mount up. So your energy company doesn't want to disconnect you. And in fact, there are moratoriums over, over winter that protect customers from that. It doesn't mean the bill will go away, though. Um, so what you could do is contact your energy company. Some energy companies work with, for example, MABS or St. Vincent de Paul. There are funds available that can help um, reduce your bill or the amount that you owe, even though you've consumed the energy. So if you are in real difficulty with paying your bill, nobody wants anybody to go cold um, this winter. Uh, nobody wants anybody to be sitting in the dark this winter. So contact your energy company, say, I'm suffering some temporary hardship paying my bill. What can you do to assist me? Okay, good advice as always. Uh, David, thank you for joining us on the podcast and I'll chat to you again soon. Thanks, Dara.
So I hope you enjoyed our discussion on energy in this month's podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. In the meantime, if you haven't already, make sure to like and subscribe to the Bonkers.ie podcast on your podcast app of choice. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, let us know. And remember that the best way to beat rising energy costs is to switch supplier, which you can do so right now on Bonkers.ie. Thanks for listening.